happening last week, which means that we got to kind of test everything out and get a feel for the new place. And guess what we found out? We love it. <laughs> and by we, I mean me. <laughs> I love it. Man, it's so exciting to be in our own place. And we hope that um, you have as much joy being here as we do being here. Okay, but speaking of joy, back to this idea of Christmas cheer. Truth is, we're getting ready for one of the most uh, joyful parts of the year. And let me just preface that a little bit by saying it should be joyful, right? We want it to be joyful. Like, we pray for joy. But sometimes, if we're really honest with ourselves or honest in this moment, sometimes it's hard to find that Christmas cheer. It's difficult to do so. So with that being said, what I want to do is I really want to center on Christmas joy, Okay, and the reason for that over this month as we lead into Christmas is because I really feel like joy can feel elusive, like it can be a rarity. And if we're honest, it just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of joy in the world around us with everything we look, like, look at online, with everything that we read about, even in our own households. Let's just say that joy is probably not the word that we would use to describe ourselves most of the time or the situations that we find ourselves in. So for the month of December, here's what I want to do with this series. I want to focus on joy, and I want to focus on one verse, okay? Just one verse. Not on, not on a story, although we'll talk through some stories. Not on a Christmas event, although we'll talk about some biblical events. I want to focus on this one verse because I really believe that there's so much to experience in this one verse that speaks on joy. And the reason for that is because I think that what we, what we understand about joy can be... Uh, wrong at times. It can be misunderstood. You see, joy isn't just a fleeting moment of happiness. It's not just a relief from something bad. It's not necessarily a perspective shift of being able just to see things positive. Could you just see the glass half full? It's not for those that have the personality, you know, like they just have that personality where they're just automatically going to find joy in things. And if you don't, well, then that stinks for you. And it's, it's not just ignoring the bad things either. You see, there's a lot more to it when it comes to joy. So with all that being said, I, I, I really think that these next few weeks are going to be helpful for all of us. And by all of us, I mean me too. Okay, but I want you to know sometimes when I do these sermons, when I preach these messages, I'm preaching to myself. You know, there's nothing that's different about me as a pastor. I know sometimes people tend to think the preachers are different. There's nothing different about me except that I'm two feet higher here on the stage, and I got to admit, brings me a little joy being taller than everybody, okay? But besides that, I need to hear this too, and I think we all do, because I think joy can be hard to come by sometimes. So as we dive into this, let's just, let's just pause a minute. Let's ask God to help us with this and invite him into this moment. God, we thank you for this place. We thank you for being here today. We thank you for the worship that we just experienced, for being here in this new space, God. And Jesus, we just acknowledge with all the excitement going on, we know that there are many that are struggling to find joy right now. Or maybe... Not in life, but maybe in an area of their life. So God, just please be with us as we try to understand how to experience the fullness of joy, the kind that only comes from your son, Jesus Christ. So be with us today, we pray. Speak to us this morning. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Now let me start by saying that I believe that joy is a choice for us. Okay, and it's available to 
all of us. And for this month, what I want to do is I want to give you a memory verse. Um, this is the verse we're going to be centered on. This is the verse that we're going to place on social media. Maybe uh, memorize this as a family uh, during the month of December. Maybe put it in your car while you're driving or on your mirror while you're getting ready for work or on your phone every time you look at it. Because here's what happens. When you memorize God's word, you know, God will speak to you through the day. And you'll think it's a coincidence. Like, you'll have a conversation. Something will be brought up. And you're like, oh, that is just what I was reading this morning. Or that has to do with it verse, isn't that a and it's not a coincidence. What's happening is that you're allowing God to speak to you. So do me a favor. Let's, let's commit this to memory. And I'll just be honest with you. This is not the typical Christmas verse that we're centered on, although it does speak on joy. But in this chapter of Romans, in Romans 15, we do have some Christmas type of themes going on here. For instance, in this chapter, we find Paul reminding the Romans that Jesus came for everyone, okay? That he came for all of us. That's why Jesus came. That's why he was born as a baby in a manger, to save us from our sins, right? To bring us the peace and the joy that only comes through relationship with God, to make that relationship with God even possible. So we find that in this chapter. And we also find Paul reminding the church in Rome, the Christians that are there, that Jesus is the one that was foretold about in the Old Testament. And he's like, you know, the one that they said was going to come from the line of King David, like this is the guy, this is the one that we've been waiting for. So since Jesus has come, this is what I want from you. And now we get to our verse, Romans 15, 13. Paul says this, he says, I pray, I pray the God, the, the source of hope will fill you completely with joy and peace because you have a lot of money in your bank account. No, because, because your kids made it to the state playoffs. No. Because you finally got that promotion at work? No. Th those things might be nice, but that's not what brings true, lasting joy. And that's what we're after. He says, my hope is that you're filled with joy because why? Because you trust in him. The him being Jesus, right? Because you trust in him. Then if you do trust in him, what's going to happen is that you're going to overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the big idea is this. This verse is saying that joy comes when we learn to put our trust in Jesus. Now, some of your translations may be a little bit different. Some of your translations may say that you believe in him, that you have faith in him. But here's the big, the big idea is, is there's this active principle of trusting God, leaning fully into him. Joy seems to come as a consequence of whether or not I am fully reliant upon my Savior. Let me illustrate this for you. I brought a diagram this morning. Look, y'all ask, ask me what preachers do during the week. This is what I do during the week right here. I create diagrams. There you go. <laughs> Pretty impressive, right? On the one side, we have God's truth, okay? On the other side, we have what I trust. Okay, now, these two things, diagram number two will show you that these two things can overlap. And when they do... There's a little bit of joy. So when I trust that what God says is true, right, that he cares for me, that he loves me, that he will provide for me, that he is what I need in this life, that's when joy comes, right? That's when I get to experience true joy in this life. But on the other side, if I don't trust in God's truth, but I trust in other things, I trust what this world says, I trust in money, relationships, you know, status, all these other things, right? Well, 
That side of things only pulls me further away from the truth of who God is. And that's sinful. And there's no joy in that area. But this yellow area, that's when I trust him. That's when I trust his word, his presence. And this type of joy that we get to experience more moving into God's truth. You know, this, this is the kind of joy that's not fleeting. This doesn't, it is not just an emotion. This comes from fully trusting God. And that's what he wants for us. Right? And honestly, honestly, that's what we're looking for in life. That's what we really need. Let me give you a, another illustration to think about. I'm full of illustrations today. I'm going to pull out this chair for just a minute. And let's just acknowledge that this chair is nowhere near as comfy as your chairs are out there. We spared no expense on the chairs for the worship area. But this chair, I could know a lot about this chair. Okay. I actually do know a lot about this chair because I'm the one that bought this chair, right? So I know where it came from, but I could know everything about the metal that's used. I could know about the plastic that's used. I could know about the company that makes it, and I could bore you to tears with all the details. I could know a lot about this chair, but that doesn't mean that I trust it. I can even believe certain things about this chair. Like, I can believe it's a good chair. I mean, I've seen other people sit in it. Right? I, I believe it looks like a good chair, but still that doesn't mean that I trust it. I could really even get really close to sitting in it. Like really close so that from a distance it looks like I'm trusting in it. I may even fool you that I'm trusting in it. But it's not until I put all my weight on it and lean into it. That's when I'm really trusting in it. You see, this same principle could be applied to how we view God. I know a lot of people that know a lot about God. They know a lot about who he is. They know a lot about Bible and that, you know, about the Bible. And you know, that, I'm not trying to say that's not a good thing. That's a good thing. You should know as much as you can about God. I mean, knowing Greek and Hebrew, we even get you gold stars in church, right? I mean, like that's important. But there's a difference in knowing about God and knowing him and fully trusting him. And I've seen people that know a lot about God, but that don't trust him. And because they don't trust him, they don't have the joy that he wants for them. I've also seen people that believe a lot about God. They believe certain things about God. They believe this, they believe that, but they don't really trust God. Also, find people that act, that put on a good show as though they really trust God. Like you would look at their life and everything that they do and everything that they say, right? And you would think, man, they are what it's all about, but they don't really trust God because they're not really putting their weight into him. You see, this is what Romans 15 is getting at. In fact, I'll give you a little bit more details when it comes to the book of Romans. In Romans, man, we've got, Romans is rich, theologically speaking. I mean, we got a lot going on in the book of Romans. You got the Roman road to salvation, which a lot of y'all have probably heard before. You got in Romans chapter 8, just that one chapter alone has so much information in it that I'm going to do a pastor study in the new year because now we have our own place and I can, which is really cool, right? So, but we're going to be able to do things like that 
that. And we're going to talk just on Romans 8. We're going to unpack that and how that impacts. There is a lot going on in Romans. And, and he's gone through so much. But by the end of the book, there's only 16 chapters. So by the 15th chapter, it's almost like Paul is saying, listen, all that stuff is great. But if you don't trust him, like if you're not really putting your trust into him, well, then you're not going to really know joy. You're not going to be able to experience it. You're going to miss out. You know what the cool thing is? Is that the level of joy in your life can grow. It can be different. In fact, let's go back to the uh, second diagram here. When you're trusting a little bit, you get a little bit of joy. Like these are the things that I trust. You know, I'm still in control of my life and I don't want to give everything over to God. But I'm going to trust him here. I'm going to trust him a little bit over here. So I get a little bit of joy. But maybe I've accepted him as my savior and I'm moving more and I'm getting more. Let's go to diagram number three. And the more that I learn to trust in God's truth, the more I'm growing in him, the more I'll have. The more joy I'll experience. This is what Paul is getting at in another book in, in Philippians. Paul says this to the church in Philippi. He, he, he says this. He says, I plan to be around a while. He's talking to this church. He's like, I'm going to stay around a while in this church. I'm going to be companion to you as your growth and joy in this life of trusting God continues. I love this. Paul's like, I want to stay here with you. I want to be a part of this church because I want you to experience the fullness of God. Because when you do, you're going to grow and you're going to get more joy. And I know what that's like and I'm excited to see that happening. In your life. And that's the hope that we have. That's what we want to experience. You see, we want to go back, go back to diagram number three. If we go back to diagram number three and we get a little bit with the more joy we have, the, 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 the more we're trusting in God's truth, one day what we want to be is we want to be so fully engulfed in who God is and fully trusting in Him. Go to the last diagram. That all we have is all that we experience is God's truth. So that everything we have is the joy of knowing who He is and what He has for me. And that's what we want. And this is exactly this type of joy, fully trusting in God the Father. This is what Jesus had. And this is what Jesus wanted to illustrate to us. This is the lifestyle. Jesus came to save us from our sins, but he also came to show us how to have a great life here and how to serve God here. And so Jesus tells us this. In fact, in John, he says this. He says, if you keep my commands, I love this. Jesus is like, if you keep my commands, in other words, if you trust me, if you're living for me, if you're living what God says, if you're following me, if you keep my commands, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. I love that. That's just, this is the message way of saying that your relationship with God is going to be great. Like if you follow him, if you're trusting in him, what he says is true, where he's leading, you're going that way, then you're going to be at home in his love. And Jesus says, that's what I've done. Like, that's what I'm trying to show you, kept my father's commands, and I've made myself at home. The relationship between us is strong. And so Jesus just stops, and it's like, Jesus, why are you telling us this? And he continues, he says, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy can be your joy. You'll know how to have that joy, that your joy will be wholly mature. Jesus is like, I, I don't want you just to have a little bit of joy. I want you to fully know what it's like to trust God so much that all you experience is the joy of being in his presence. 
And that's what we see from Jesus. And that's what he wants from over and over and over again. In fact, I put this in your message notes. If you want to go back and do a little personal study time, John 5, John 12, 44 through 50, they're just examples of Jesus going, listen, whatever the Father says, I say. Whatever the Father tells me to do, that's what I do. I am fully trusting God the Father. And because of that, Jesus had this joy that he he experienced that just made an impact on everybody he came across. But you know what's interesting to me is that that joy, that type of joy doesn't just start with Jesus, but it starts all the way back in the book of Genesis. It starts all the way back. This is the relationship that God intended to have with us. And you know this story of Adam and Eve who were in God's presence every day, fully trusting him, fully following him, fully paying attention to him in all ways until one day they didn't. And they trusted someone else. They trusted something else. And we know the story. And we know the consequences that have come from that. And for the first time in the Bible, then we start to read about things like shame and dread and fear and anxiety. So some people might look at me and say, Preacher, I don't know where my joy has gone. Like, why can't I just find more joy? Why can't I experience the Christmas cheer that you're talking about? Maybe that's a little dramatic for you. Maybe the joy isn't completely gone in your life. But maybe for some of you, there's an area of your life. And there's just this pocket of your life that just seems out of control. And it's because of that that it's hard for you to find joy in other areas because of the impact it's making on other places in your life. And you're looking at me and you're like, Preacher, if you only knew, if you only knew what I'm struggling with over here, then you would understand why joy is hard to find over there. You see, I don't don't think the question really is, where's my joy gone? I think the real question is, what are you putting your trust in? Where's your trust? Because your trust is firmly linked to your joy. If we split our trust, we dilute the joy. Speaking of diluting things, um, I don't really get these little uh, squirt things that you squirt in water to change the flavor. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? My girls love these things. Then I don't understand if I want water. I just want water. Don't give me a hint of a flavor. Uh, That kills my joy, okay? It does. In fact, the other day I was at a uh, conference somewhere and they they were running out of... I don't know what was going on, but the coffee was watered down. You want to talk about stealing joy? If you're going to make coffee, make co- be committed, right? Don't water down the coffee to make sure you have enough to go around, right? I think sometimes when we dilute our trust in God, what we're doing is we're just walking around with a hint of joy flavoring in our life. Because maybe going back to that chair illustration, because maybe we know a lot about God, so we think that's what's going to sustain us, or we believe a few things about God, so that must be good. Or maybe we're even putting a good show on, so it looks like I'm trusting God, but we know that we're not fully committed. And because we're not fully committed, because we're not willing to take that next step, or that step towards God and trusting what He wants for that area or that place in your life, we don't know full joy until we do. And if I can just talk from the heart for a minute, that's, that's probably why there's not a whole lot of joy or peace in our communities, in our families, in our schools, 
in our churches. You know, we used to rally behind the phrase, in God we trust, right? Doesn't feel like we do that much anymore. So I know what some of y'all are thinking, like this is, like, preacher, what do I do? Like, what are you asking me to do? And some of us kind of feel like we're far behind. Like, I don't know how to trust God completely. Like, what's next? And I don't know what it means, like, for you to put more trust in God, for you to trust him more. And that can mean different for everybody. I can use 20 illustrations and maybe hit some of y'all, but not hit everyone, right? But here's what I want you to know, is that God sees you where you are right now. He knows you. He made you. He created you. He knows the number of hairs on your head, scriptures. He knows you. And what he's looking for is for you to take a next step. Whatever that next step may be. Including me. Like there are still times where I have to trust God. And until I take that step, I don't know joy until I'm leaning into that step. Of trusting him. And God continues to teach me lessons about trusting. In fact, I'll tell you, starting out in ministry, God really taught Shannon and myself a, a huge lesson when it comes to trust. You see, uh, being a preacher was never part of the plan for me or Shannon. In fact, I, I ran from ministry. I ran from ministry a little bit. Now, I don't mean to say that like I was out there like wild living, like, you know, whatever, like two wild and crazy guys, you know, like this Saturday Night Live, anybody? Okay, anyway, it didn't work at 9.30 either. I don't know why I tried it again. Um, I told them I wasn't going to do it at 11. I still did it. <laughs> um, I wasn't wild or anything. I just didn't really want it for a few reasons. One, I didn't want to move. Um, two, the church environment can be all-encompassing at times. Three, I mean, if I'm just honest, like the paycheck, you know, I mean, we'll just we'll put it this way. There are more lucrative options when you're thinking about your career, you know. So I had other plans to be successful in other ways. And Shannon, Shannon, Shannon really had other plans. At that time, she was graduating with an accounting degree. She was already being recruited and had offers from a nationally recognized accounting firm in downtown Atlanta. Big plans, big paycheck, big opportunities. Everything was set in motion, and yet we're struggling with this call into the ministry. And we're like, do we do this? Like... Do we trust our plan for what we have next? Because this seems like a really good plan. Or, or, or do we trust what God wants for us, not knowing anything that's ahead? Do we take that step and really lean into it? Well, we, we took the step and, and went into ministry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and then... Starting our ministry, I know I've told you this, but uh, when we started a ministry and all through our 20s, we had nothing, like nothing. In fact, there were a few times they actually cut off the water to our home. <laughs> and we thought, it can't get any worse than this. And then we moved to Kentucky. <laughs> and eight hours away from anybody we knew, any family we had, all on our own, in our 20s with two little girls. Shannon's going back to school. We're like, how are we going to pay for this? I'm going back to seminary to be a preacher. How are we going to do this? 
and with nothing in our bank account. I honestly, I look at you today. I don't know how we did it. Like I don't. It is only by the grace of God. But I will tell you this, that if you ask Shannon and if you ask me, one of the most joyful times in our lives, when we look back, when we had a lot of joy, we would say it was Kentucky. Because when we had nothing but trusting God, you see, there's, I can't can't describe it, like I can't put it into words, but there was this, just this, joy in that period because we were having to lean in him on him for it so that's just one example from my story and I don't know what your story is and I'm not I mean I'm not telling any of you that you need to move to Kentucky I don't know maybe I mean unless you want to I know a good seminary if you did anyway um I don't know what your next step is it's not anything that Drastic, maybe, but maybe there is an area of your life where you just are holding back. And maybe it's a little scary for you. And maybe it's a little overwhelming for you. But you know what? That's where the overlap happens. Right? That's where the joy is. And don't take my word for it. Take, take the Bible. Take every story in the Bible of people who learn to trust in God. Like, like every story is time to time and time again of God being faithful to his people when they lean on him and not follow what they want to do or what they think is best or what the rest of the world says is what they need to do. Think of Noah for a minute. Noah trusted in God. He put his faith in God before rain was even a thing. When everybody told him he was crazy for what he is doing. And what do we have now? But we have a rainbow in the sky that reminds us of God's promise that brings us joy when we see it. Abraham and Sarah in scripture. Y'all know that story. Abraham and Sarah were promised a child. Abraham at one point didn't trust God. Went out and had a child through someone else. And you know that story. It didn't end up well. But when he did trust God and he came back and he's Sarah and him. And they're trusting God. Finally, they gave birth to a son in their old age and it brought Sarah so much joy that she actually laughed and she decided to name him Isaac which means he will laugh joy Moses, Moses, when he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, even though he wasn't the one that got to take them into the promised land, he was the one that got to experience the joy of trusting a God that led them by fire at night and a cloud by day. Let's use the Christmas story. I've left the Christmas story out of this as examples. Let's talk about that. The wise men trusted the star. Right? And here's what it says in Matthew 2. It says, when the wise men saw the star, they were filled with joy. Why were they filled with joy? Because they trusted that what God was telling them was true. That when they followed the star, they would find a baby in a manger born to give us the joy that we've been looking for. But let's be honest. As many stories as there are in the Bible about people trusting God and finding the joy that comes from leaning into him, there are also plenty of stories that, that don't that don't show a person willing to trust God. And because of that, things don't go well. The same consequences for them. Bible, Scripture is no different for them back then as it is for today. The same things that they dealt with back then, same things we deal with today that just looks different. But for us, the same consequences back then, fear and dread and anxiety and worry, same things that we deal with today when we choose to not trust God. Why? Because we weren't meant to trust in ourselves. We weren't meant to trust in anything else but 
our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we move through this month of December, we're, we're going to keep having this discussion of how to find real joy, the fullness of it, and how that comes through trusting God. So if I can encourage you today, maybe even during our time of prayer this morning, but sometime today, maybe, maybe take a moment to be with God at some point and maybe, maybe just confess where you're not trusting him. And maybe that has to do with your family. Maybe it has to do with your finances. Maybe it has to do with health or regret or fear or unforgiveness. Again, I don't know what it is in your life, but I do know that God knows you and the Holy Spirit will talk to you if you ask him to and he will tell you and point you into that next step. The question is, are you willing to take it? Because you won't know what joy is until you do. Let's pray together. Jesus, I just thank you so much. I thank you for being with us. I thank you for the example that you have shown us of a life that is fully committed to God the Father, fully trusting in, fully leaning into, fully following, and what that life can look like. So God, help us, because in this season, we're so distracted and we're so pulled within many, many different directions, God. So much around us. So much that, that, that wants our attention, that wants our time, that wants our energy. God, that we tend to want to focus on and trust in to bring us joy. But at the end of this season, we know that that joy does not last. Nothing in this world does. God, we know that the real joy comes from trusting. Trusting in you. So God, help us understand what that means. Be with each person in here and help them just, just touch their heart through your Holy Spirit and lead them into that next step. That next step that they're holding on to that they don't want to let go because they're not willing to. Because God, the more we learn to trust in you, the more joy we'll have. So Jesus, we give you our lives. We'll give you this time. Lead us and we will follow you, we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, I want to thank y'all so much for being here today. If you're a first-time visitor, um, see Miss Dawn afterwards. She'll be out there. We got a free gift for you. Um, also, I want y'all to notice as we close with some announcements that um, we have some items in the back of the chair in front of you. Look, we are old school church. Look at this. We got stuff stuffed in the back of the chair. We were even thinking about getting little hymnal holders to put under the Not to use them, but just to have them, you know, like a, like a real church, right? Um, but in the back of your chair, you'll find a pen and you'll find two things. You'll find an offering envelope. If you have an offering that you'd like to give this morning, uh, tithes and offerings, you can do so and leave them in the offering baskets on your way out. Um, for those of you that are familiar with the church, you know that we have PayPal and Venmo as an option as well. We want to thank you for all the ways that you continue to support your church family. Also on here, the other card that you'll find in the back of the chair is a connect card. Okay, so if you're new here, leave us your information. Don't worry, we're not going to use it or, you know, <laughs> raise more money for the building by selling your information. No, no, we're not going to do that. I should not have even said that out loud. Um, <laughs> I promise we won't do that. Um, 
But what we do want to know is just who, we just want to keep tabs on who's with us today. And if you'd like to indicate an area to serve or about membership or you got a prayer request, just leave those and drop those in the offering baskets for us when you leave. Okay, so we got a few things coming up that I need to run through real quick. Um, first thing is the nativity play. And y'all, we have our nativity play scheduled for Christmas Eve, Sunday morning. And um, I saw the cutest video of a kid that got the best role of a lifetime in his nativity play. And I wanted to share that with you now. So y'all watch the screen. Well, I am from the Nativity. I'm a classic one. Classic role, is it? Classic part? Yeah. Um, Joseph? No. Mm. Uh, one of the three ways men? No. But it's a classic part? Yeah. Okay. Um, you tell me then, because... I'm door holder number three. I'll be holding doors. That's amazing. <laughs> holding doors for who? Um, probably um, Joseph and Mary. Oh my gosh, were you pleased when they said that? And I was like, I'm a door holder, get in there, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a door, get in there, let's go. Listen, I don't know, it's a rumor, but I heard he got bumped up to door holder number two and it blew his mind. <laughs> Hey, listen, we got a lot of parts uh, for your children. So see Miss Afton right afterwards. They're going to hold their uh, rehearsal right after service. Even if you didn't register your child, you can still have them be a part of the celebration. We'd love to have them. Also, speaking of celebrations, we have our angel breakfast coming up next Saturday. So if you've got a little one and you want to be a part of something very special to start the Christmas season, register for that. You can talk to Nathan or... Look on the newsletter on our app to find a way to register for the Angel Breakfast next Saturday. We have a couple's dinner also happening next Saturday. Um, you can find more information in the newsletter for that. And then Christmas Eve services. Uh, a few things about Christmas Eve is that I know somebody's got their 12 o'clock going off. I know I'm about to wrap it up. <laughs> I love that. Christmas Eve services. Real quick, and then I'll let you go. Uh, Christmas Eve, um, our collection on Christmas Eve, you know, we always support a ministry. And this year, we're going to support our Rose Hill ministry for the Christmas Eve offering. So we want you to think of ways that you can uh, contribute to that ministry where we serve the homeless, as well as the Anne Elizabeth Shepherd home. So we'll be collecting that on our Christmas Eve. Speaking of Christmas Eve services, we'll have a 6 p.m. Saturday evening Christmas Eve Eve service, and then Sunday morning for Christmas Eve. Eve, we'll have our 9.30 and 11. And at the 9.30 and 11, that's when we're going to have the children do their nativity play. So before you go out of town or if you don't have kids and you want to open up that morning space for more family, then you can come to that Saturday night service. Same, same service, candlelight, communion, everything. Okay, so it's going to be wonderful. And then New Year's Eve will be online only for New Year's Eve. Okay, listen, I love y'all. It's 12.01. I got a big clock on the back wall now that tells me when I'm running late. So that brings you joy. I know it does. So listen, y'all have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Thanks for being here. You're dismissed.